and welcome to the Hindus Parley podcast. Today we are discussing the pension schemes in place for government employees. The National Pension Scheme was launched in 2004, marking a switch from the older pension scheme which offered defined benefits for all government employees without any contribution on their part to a system whereby employees contributed a sum throughout their working years. Almost two decades after the NPS came into effect, a number of states are now switching back to the old pension scheme, often called OPS. Earlier this year, the central government also set up a committee under the leadership of the finance secretary to review the working of the NPS and evolve an approach that addresses government employees' needs while maintaining fiscal prudence to protect common citizens. Joining me now to discuss the two schemes, why some states are seeking to return to the old system and the way ahead, are Rohit Azad, an economist teaching at JNU, and Praveen Chakravarti, a political economist and chair of the data analytics group of the Congress party. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to start with uh, Mr. Praveen Chakravarti. If you could tell us what the new pension scheme, the national pension scheme brought in, why that change was made in 2004. If you could recall a little bit of history for us, that would be great. Sure. I think it is important to understand that this um, change of the pension scheme was a bipartisan effort. Um, it was actually initiated under the Vajpayee government and carried forward by the Manmohan Singh government. And it was formally legislated, I believe in... Um, I can't remember the date, but um, by... Uh, January 1st, I think, of 2004. Yeah. It came into effect on January no, 1st. No, so it, it came into effect, but I think the law was passed in Parliament perhaps in 2013 or so. I think it was probably as late as that. So it was one of the last kind of legislations that were passed by the Manmohan Singh government. So the point is that there was a consensus in this change, political consensus in this change. So... It was not that there was a divide, a political divide on uh, whether we should change, whether the new scheme is better than the old scheme and any of that. So I think and that's a very important point that, that's often lost uh, when we talk about this issue uh, and, and trace its history. Now, understandably, pension reform is not unique to India. I think as we speak, there are protests in France over pension reform that Macron is trying to bring about. Pension reform has been um, debated and discussed very severely in the UK, various states in the US. So it is not unique to India. But the important point was that what it did to fiscal situation of states. And it some, I think it was generally felt that defined benefit, which is a, a guaranteed benefit of 50% of last round pay subject to inflation, as the pension amount which under the OPS, that was uh, the scheme earlier, was fiscally very costly on um, states and state governments. And hence, there was a switch made to um, have a contribution from government servants throughout their career, which would then add up to what they would receive as pension once they retire, reducing the burden on states. Now, of course, I think that I think the current argument is that the new pension scheme does not guarantee a certain amount. And I think that's the primary bone of contention. And I think that's, that's a justifiable theme. But does that entail going back to the old scheme? No, in my view. Okay. 
Thank you. Uh, Rohit, before we get to the state's financial issue, can we touch on the personal finance perspective? Why are so many pensioners protesting against the, the NPS? Why do so many of them want to go back to the OPS? I think that has to do with, as Praveen has mentioned, that uh, this has to do with the fact that uh, there is no guaranteed pension, right? So in the old pension scheme, you had a fixed amount, which is 50% of your last salary drawn, which was inflation indexed as well. So it takes care of your retired life. In this case, uh, we have calculated it for different rates of return. The NPS is going to give you one third of what you would be getting if the rate of return in the market is about 6%, uh, you know, having served for, let's say, 30, 35 years of your life. Similarly, the highest that, let's say, broadly, even if you get 10% of return, your pension is still going to be less than uh, what you would have got uh, under the OPS. So I don't think the demand per se is about non-contribution. The demand is more to do with the guaranteed pension. And I think that's a fair thing to ask for the employees because uh, on their behalf because they have served, they have given, let's say, 30, 35 years of their life to be expecting a pension in retired uh, time is not an unfair demand to make. Okay. So from the state's perspective, a number of states, Rajasthan, Punjab, Chhattisgarh, Jharkhand, uh, Himachal Pradesh now, of course, uh, want to return to the old pension scheme. Let's talk about motivations first. Why do they want to do so? Rohit. I think it's it's responding to the demand of uh, the government employees. So it's uh, it's a section which has raised this demand. You can say that it's a small section. Uh, at the same time, they represent uh, at least a section of the organized force, uh, labor force. And additionally, they are also prominent in policymaking, as we know, the civil servants, uh, etc. Uh, so the government is responding to that demand. And in terms of finances, you said we'll discuss later, but uh, it's primarily a political response to that, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, do you agree with that, uh, Praveen? I think, in my view, it's actually uh, an intellectually lazy response. And I say this knowing fully well that, you know, this could be turned political and said, oh, these are all Congress governments. And I'm not, like I said, I, this is not about political partisanship. Um, why do I say that? I think, like I mentioned in my opening remarks, I think the demand to revise or restructure the new pension scheme may be justified. But the solution is not to revert to the old pension scheme. And that is why I call it lazy. The solution is to restructure the new pension scheme. And the old pension scheme is fundamentally unjust. It's fun. It's not only bad economics, as all my friends in the economics fraternity have pointed out. In my view, it's also bad politics. It's bad politics because if you want to take 20% of all expenditure, which belongs to all people, and give it to the top 4% of population or of, of households in a particular state, that is inherently a bad transfer. So it is inequitable, it is unjust, and hence it's even bad politics. The split between states who want to implement the old pension scheme and those which are hesitant to do so and are resisting pressure from their own government employees is not just a political split. You have argued elsewhere that it is more a split. It is also a split among large states, among states which are financially sound and those which are not. What are the implications of that? 
Yeah, and I think that's a very important point to note uh, because it's very easy to look at it politically. But, you know, as I have shown, states that have promised or are trying to revert to the old pension scheme are also fiscally badly managed states over time, historically, lest it be construed as a comment on the current government. It's historically been, uh, they're they're fiscally uh, much worse off than the states that have resisted this pressure to move to the old pension scheme. Why do I say that? Maharashtra, Tamil Nadu, and Karnataka. Just recent Karnataka elections. Did you hear anything about old pension scheme as, as, a, as a fundamental promise? No. So it is not about which party. It is about whether a state is, how, how well a state is managed fiscally. And states that have tried to revert are Punjab and uh, you know, Madhya Pradesh and, and, and all these states. So, and if you look at it, fundamentally, states that have gone back or want to go back, their debt levels are at 40% of GDP on average, compared to the states that are resisting this pressure, where their debt levels are only 20%. So, essentially, I'm saying that it's the fiscally not-so-prudent states want to burden their fiscal finances even more with this switch. And eventually, I make the argument that it's really only four or five states that are net contributors to the union kitty. So if a Punjab or a Himachal or a, a Madhya Pradesh want to revert to the old pension scheme, they don't have the money for it, which means they have to borrow. They have to borrow from the union. Who contributes to the union? It's Tamil Nadu, Maharashtra, Gujarat and Karnataka. So if I were to kind of stretch this argument, I could, I could make the argument that the future generations of Tamilians and Maharashtrians and Kannadigas are paying for this reversion to the old pension scheme for the elite government employees of Punjab and Himachal and Madhya Pradesh. Okay. Uh, Rohit, could you speak about what uh, the old pension scheme's impact is on uh, state finances? And uh, how large a hole does it make in the exchequer's pocket? The argument is that it's financially unviable. Do you think that's true? No, it depends. I mean, where your political priorities or uh, even the economics is, I don't think it's bad economics, uh, first of all, because the numbers which are being thrown up in terms of what it would cost are exaggerated. Uh, This 24% of the state finances is going to go for pensions uh, if we go to OPS. Not that I'm saying exactly in the same format you go to the OPS, but even if we were to do that, it's not 25%. It's actually 12% if you take all the revenues into account. So first of all, that itself is a wrong figure. Uh, Not that Praveen is quoting that figure, but most of the people, including those who wrote uh, in the SPI report uh, that OPS is bad economics, is basically based on a data which is flawed. Because you've taken three main components of revenue of the state out, and if you're calculating it based on just one part of the revenue, then obviously the ratios would uh, seem warped. Then as far as uh, the, the ratio itself is concerned, why do we only need to rationalize the expenditure? Why don't we talk in terms of rationalizing taxes? India is one of the most unequal countries, one of the most unequal countries currently, and things have become pretty bad with the pandemic itself. So why can we not think in terms of rationalizing the denominator of this ratio rather than targeting the numerator, which is expenses? So expenses Uh, over tax, you can target either of the two. I would say one should think in terms of the denominator, increase tax revenues, and why, uh, you know, pit one state against the other. 
have such a policy actually in my opinion have such a policy for uh, for the country as a whole at one point it did now what format should that be i have my own opinions on that uh, where i think employees contribution is important but guaranteed pension is something which i would defend and i would defend it from the examples that praveen gave of each of these countries look at the united states in fact the data shows that the 2008 crisis led to especially the pension fund schemes they lost about 5 trillion dollars within that uh, crisis period so those that cohort which was retiring then they sold their as the financial assets in pension schemes at a throwaway price they didn't have an option so why should the employees just because they happen to be the government employees bear the burden of what happens in the stock market right which brings us to the question also of this is whether it's the ops or the nps it's uh, a benefit which is experienced only by a small percentage of india's population of india's working population even of the formal sector uh, a large number do not get pensions what would be the solution for those who are not uh, incorporated within this ops or nps so my suggestion to that would be uh, that when these rights of workers are being discussed you don't Uh, bring the bar down you actually take the bar up you think in terms of how you accommodate what are the ways in which you can actually make the in fact the pension parishad has been asking for pensions uh, universally for the poor so there are ways in which these demands can actually be accommodated and one of the most as i said i'll repeat uh, needs to be on rationalization of the revenue side rather than the expenditure side alone that's point number 1 point number 2 in terms of the other employees i would say if we were to argue in terms of guaranteed pension it should be done with the private sector as well in fact if i can give your example uh, the workers in hindu should negotiate with the owners of hindu as well that uh, that there should be and there are ways in which it can be done uh, which is not financially reckless at all in fact we have written about it of how this can be done so it's possible to include others it's possible to make it not uh, financially reckless and if we could do uh, both it's a win win uh, then what's the harm uh, praveen what do you think can, should or can be done for other employees as well as i'm just curious are you uh, what do you think of guaranteed pensions as a concept itself do you think that that should not be there yeah i'll answer that but i just want to kind of clarify a few things one is on the data front itself well like i said i had not used those sorts of numbers uh, that uh, my fellow panelists talked about but i think what the in terms of the data this is actual data which is 20% of expenditure for the marshal government is spent on pension this is actual expense actual data 10% whereas it's uh, 12% for tamil nadu 10% for rajasthan so the idea is that should 10 or 20% of the total amount pool of expenditure be spent on arguably the top 3 2-3% of households in that state and i think most would argue that that sounds a bit unfair because let us not forget that having a government job in a state or at the center in india today is already a definition of prosperity that is how bad our situation is so they are already at the top just by the virtue of having a government job now the second is i disagree with this whole idea that there should be one central rule from delhi and this is where i think 
fundamentally what the Rajasthan chief minister or Imachal chief minister said is pension is a state subject. We have the powers to decide what type of pension should each of our government employees get. Delhi, you have no right to interfere. And they're absolutely right. I will defend that right. The only problem is they don't have the money to meet that uh, policy goal that they want. So there is freedom to make the decisions, but there are no finances to back those decisions. And that's the contest here, really. So I, I will disagree with any sort of kind of di- rule from Delhi that dictates what type of pension should be adopted across all states. Third, it, to your question about um, should there be some guaranteed, I absolutely am in favor of a minimum guarantee. A minimum. If they get higher than that, if the market returns deliver higher, so be it. But there, I am definitely in favor of a minimum guarantee. But the, that's why I said should we reform NPS? Yes, which is why I welcome the establishment of this uh, uh, committee or panel to, to relook at the new pension scheme. And, and I know it's headed by a good friend of mine and a good intellectual bureaucrat, TV Somanathan. So I'm sure something good will come out of it. So I'm not saying that there should not be any reform of the current NPS. I'm only saying going back to the old pension scheme is regressive is regressive politically, is regressive from a from an economic justice perspective, and it's a regressive from a fiscal freedom perspective. Right. You've both spoken of the need for uh, for change, even while defending specific system the schemes. Praveen, you said that the old pension, uh, the new pension scheme, the demand to restructure may be justified. And uh, Roth, you have spoken of the need to bring in contributions as well. So if you were giving suggestions to this committee, what would be some specific suggestions that you would each give going forward? Rohit, could you start? Um, so my suggestion would actually be guaranteed pension similar to the OPS, which is 50% of your last paid drawn, which is inflation indexed, but with contribution from the employees. So if I can briefly just mention what this means, uh, is that, uh, and, and this is not minimum, this is what they should get. So in that sense, if you get a rate of return in the market, which is higher than this, then the state can pocket it. But if it is lower than that, then the state pays for the balance. And this, again, we have calculated on balance, on balance, uh, because unlike an employee, government doesn't have an age. So over a period of time, they should even out for the state in terms of finances. And effectively, what you would be doing is with the NPS kind of expenditure, you may actually end up providing a guaranteed pension. That is what my uh, recommendation would be. What is coming out from uh, different sources that the government may go the minimum return or whatever the the, the guaranteed thing to be 30% of your uh, pay and that to not inflation indexed. Even if it were inflation indexed, our uh, again, the calculation shows that you will get about 60% of what you would get in OPS. So in which case you essentially lose if this is the kind of minimum guarantee that you would be providing, whereas the provision that we are arguing for, where if the returns are higher, the state pockets it, so it balances. And if the returns are lower, then the state pays the gap. And this is inflation indexed. And in terms of contribution? 
So in terms of contribution, the NPS contribution continues. So 10% of your basic continues and between, depending on uh, different state governments, between 12 to 14, 15% is employer's contribution, which is currently what it is. So there is no net addition. You suggest that continues. Yeah, that continues. So the only condition in which you spend extra is when the gap of this 50%, uh, when your actual pension NPS, let's say rate of return is about 9%, you get uh, 72 rupees and you would have got 100 in OPS. So that 28 needs to be paid by the government in such situations. So, but then higher, uh, when it is higher rate of return, then the government uh, keeps uh, gets to pocket that. So on balance, we think that the uh, financial responsibility of the government may not go up drastically. And yet you get best of both the worlds. Okay. Praveen, what would you suggest to the committee as uh, reforms that they need to undertake or restructuring that needs to be done? See, first we must understand, like I said earlier, this is a state subject. While the center can set up a committee, at best it can provide some framework and guidelines and say this is the new pension scheme, but it's still entirely uh, contingent on the states to choose whether to opt for it or not. So what I would have done is I would have just left it to the states. This, the important point to note is I believe Andhra or Telangana, I forget which one, already has a revised NPS framework. Yeah, and I, and I think that is how it should work in our country. We must let states come up with their own schemes. And different states can either borrow, adapt, and, and choose what, what works best for them. So while Somanathan's committee can lay out broad frameworks, I'm not so sure that that is going to go um, anywhere because it's really dependent on the states. I think we must attack, not attack is a strong word, we must question the fundamental premise with which people are, go, are at least some states are going back to the old pension. One is, like I said, laziness. The second is, this completely false notion that it, it's it's politically material. And you know, I've heard this argument about how uh, OPS won the martial election for the Congress Party. And I say this as a, as a member of a Congress Party. That is not correct. There is simply no evidence for it. If OPS was such a big uh, factor in the martial election, A, the difference in vote share was just, I think, 0.7% or something between the Congress and the BJP. It was the lowest margin in Imachal's history, recent history. B, the Congress party did not win, uh, say, the region of Mandi. So are we saying the OPS promise only works in two out of the three uh, regions? And C, the Ahmadmi party made the same promise. They got le- fewer votes than even independent candidates. So I, I think there's just no empirically strong argument to say that OPS won. I mean, it's con- conflation of a victory and what they said during election speeches. Which is why in Karnataka, that was not a promise. And I think it was a much bigger and a thumping victory in Karnataka. So we must question that fundamental flawed premise, in my view. Um, other than that, I think, like I said, I, I definitely think there should be a contribution. I also think there should be a minimum guarantee. And I think this is the broad framework. Now, should that contribution be 10%? Should it be 7%? Should it be 5%? Maybe Himachal wants to have a different contribution than Tamil Nadu. So I would leave it to the states and not kind of get into the technical details of what it should be and what those numbers should be and think that there is one Delhi, which is the new London that can rule all over India. 
And in terms of a minimum guarantee, what percentage do you think should be a a minimum amount? And should that be inflection indexed? Yeah, certainly it has to be inflation indexed. I mean, I think that's that's I think no economist would um, argue for otherwise. But should it be fifty percent? Should it be sixty percent? Should it be seventy percent? I can understand, say, Himachal asking for more than fifty percent because you know the the percentage of people in in uh, government service is much higher. Uh, but I can see Maharashtra asking for less. Again, that's why I said I think I think we have to leave this to the states. You've pointed out, though, that, uh, you know, the point is that states do not have the power to to raise the money for this. How do you su- suggest then that we have to change that entire federal financial system? Oh, I mean, this this has been my kind of argument for the last decade or so. This is what my research has been. This is what all my a lot of my publications have been. It is. Yeah. Our fiscal federalism is the problem. I mean, I've in fact said we have a teenager problem where, you know, the, the teenager once anyone who's, who has a teen, uh, teenage, uh, a teenage child will know that they suddenly become a teenager and they think they have the freedom, but they don't have the money to enjoy their freedoms. That's exactly what our fiscal situation is today. So, um, we have, to, I mean, we have to fundamentally restructure and re-architect our fiscal federalism. Um, I mean, I've been against GST. I mean, I've written uh, against GST ever since it, the idea was started. So, yeah, I, I think this idea that Delhi can control everything is completely outdated and anachronistic. And it's not about just giving laws, giving freedom to make the laws. If you don't have money, there's, there is no point in giving that freedom. Right. If there is any change in, in this, oh, but both of you are anyway recommending contributions. I'm just curious if one of the, one of the problems uh, is for those states which want to return to an OPS, what happens to the money uh, which has already been deposited in the NPS for the last two decades. Yeah, well, that is the that is this uh, kind of clash right now because I know this, the union government has said that they cannot, they do not have any provision by which they can return the money that is already deposited in the new pension scheme to the government of Rajasthan. I know the government of Rajasthan chief secretary has written and the finance minister has responded or the finance secretary has responded, saying that they cannot. Now, will this go to court? If it does, what will the court say? We don't know. We don't know any of that. But I believe the union government has a very clear stance that there is no provision under which that they can transfer this money back to the states. Uh, in terms of also from both of you, uh, a little bit more of the nitty gritty of how you think. So since you're both arguing for uh, contributions to be made, that uh, what should be done with that corpus? Where should it be invested? in a way that it will provide uh, your minimum guarantee or an actual guaranteed pension, but that is fiscally viable? Either of you, I mean, Rohit perhaps. Yeah, so um, so I think where to invest is uh, going to be a call that, and, and just, just to add one point, I am all for federalism. In fact, uh, I would say that I completely agree with him that uh, if you are giving them the rights to frame policies, you should also give them the states the right to uh, to have revenue. Otherwise, these policies don't make sense at all. Uh, uh, so, but in terms of where to invest, uh, this money is a call. Uh, a, the employees need to be a part of in taking that call. But insofar as they get a guaranteed 
let's say 50% as we have proposed, uh, it does not really matter for the employees in that sense where this money is invested. I mean, the state can balance it between equity and debt funds, mutual funds, which is exactly what they do. You know, currently you have the SBI, UTI and LIC, which is where it is split 33, I mean, one third each. Uh, You could continue with that or whatever uh, have you. But at the end of the day, uh, you make, I mean, you pay for the gap. Insofar as you do that, uh, I don't think the employees would have a problem of where you invest the money. Okay, because there are those who have suggest, made suggestions of what financial in- instrument, you know, to provide an inflation protected, sort of predictable. So unless unless there are assets, which at least in the US now are infl- inflation indexed assets, if you have such assets, obviously it solves the uh, problem. But currently we do not really, even though RBI has been proposing. I mean, the NSS is inflation indexed, right? Sorry? The, the national savings securities are inflation indexed. So if you have inflation indexed uh, assets, then that obviously is the easiest to kind of uh, invest in. But currently the NPS is, I mean, NPS funds are not. So so obviously yes. I would agree if, if, if you... So that's uh, why I'm asking whether that is also a suggestion or that is also uh, something that the review committee needs to take into account of why not put it in India's inflation index bonds, such as the RBI's national saving securities sure i mean uh, apart from other recommendations if you uh, can make it inflation index the returns themselves it will make it easier for uh, the government state governments to finance the, the remaining amount absolutely but i'm saying um, that such such assets in general are uh, as a percentage of uh, let's say other financial assets are, is very small in india so so that also needs to be explored more if you have that option, it obviously makes things easier financially. I would just add that there must absolutely be caution about not trying to maximize return on the pension corpus, uh, which is what leads to investment decisions uh, that can be invested into into things like complex derivatives, mortgage securities, venture capital, funds, equities. I mean, ask uh, Elizabeth Trust. She she lost a prime ministership because of what, uh, what uh, they did with the, the pension um, um, investment, pension corpus, essentially. So I think it is very, very important. And I say this as someone who has run an, run an investment bank before and has been in the markets. It is very, very important to be to tread very cautiously on this, I would actually just say stick to GSEX, sovereign-backed assets, uh, inflation-indexed assets at this point in time, because we're still very early in the process. And if you leave it to the goal of maximizing returns and let it un, um, uh, lose, the, I mean, the world is replete with examples of what can happen. Right. But that is exactly the problem with these uh, with with the pension schemes such as these. That eventually the lure of the market returns uh, have changed position. I mean, have changed uh, pension schemes as you correctly mentioned in the UK, in the US, where investments were made in uh, you know securities which which were giving higher returns. So thankfully, currently the NPS is not doing that, but. It could, it could go in that direction, and and hence all the more reason to think in terms of these uh, the pension funds being invested in secure assets, essentially, 
and thankfully so far it is uh, like that but we don't even know uh, for example what is going to happen to the lic so even though it's secure we don't know with what has happened uh, to its prices uh, and mr adani's fortunes uh, which way it would go so even the secure ones are not really secure in india currently thank you so much both of you for uh, uh, such a uh, illuminating conversation um, we've gone over our time uh, is there anything further though that either of you would like to respond to something that i missed out on or some a point you'd like to make just one quick thing on on the ops winning elections uh, i don't think even though this has been made into uh, the news but it's not a necessary condition whether ops won them elections or not it's more a response from the employees and uh, every government has to deal with uh, such uh, political demands so whether the congress won the elections on having raised the ops whether there is causality in that direction or not i don't think even though it has been raised in the press like that it's a relevant point uh, for whether in favor of ops or against or guaranteed pension let me put it like okay that. so both of you agree on that to a certain extent anything else from you praveen uh, no no this i think i've covered all all points yeah i think this has been uh, an interesting conversation thank you so much both of you thank you thank you, thank you.